0: welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriella Bach, and today we'll be speaking with my guest, Diane Primo. Diane is the CEO of Purpose Brand Agency, an award-winning Chicago-based public relations branding and digital marketing firm. Diane's focus on impact marketing stems from the belief that brands must be relevant, purpose-driven, and committed to consumers to be successful today. Diane is the only African-American female CEO of a purpose-driven communications agency, which she built on her storied career leading some of the top marketing organizations in the country, including Quaker Oats, Ameritech, and SBC. Diane is also the author of several books, including the recently published Adapt, Scaling Purpose in a Divisive World, which provides a framework for mastering corporate purpose and offers readers guidance on how to achieve a more resilient and prosperous business. Diane, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Oh, thank you, Gabrielle. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it's great to have you here, Diane, um, because you are so knowledgeable about purpose and purpose is something that, you know, everybody in retail is talking about right now. Um, In all the conferences we have attended in the past year, they've all had tracks on purpose and DEI and you know, just really stressing like how important it is that you know, consumers, especially younger consumers, be able to align with the brands that they shop from, being able to align with them on purpose. So I wanted to just kind of kick things off by hearing a little bit about you and your professional journey to starting your own agency. And, you know, I read that you graduated from Harvard Business School In the 1980s, which I am sure was a boys club. So I would actually love to start there and learn a little bit more about, you know, what motivated you as a young person, as a young woman to go into business? Did you, you know, always want to be a business leader and and work in business?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was in um, college, I was actually a philosophy major. Oh wow. I believed I wanted to perhaps get a doctorate in philosophy. And I had a philosophy professor tell me, are you sure you want to do that? You know, I would highly recommend you, but it's not really probably the best of careers. Have you thought about exploring like law? And mm-hmm. um, he pointed me into to, to law and I went to, I joined a, a legal agency as a paralegal for a year and quickly decided I did not want to do that. And I had a partner pull me aside and say, are you going to stay here? (laughs) Are are you going to go to law school? What are you going to do? And I told him I had no interest in going to law school. He said, you need to get out of here. He He called um, uh, friends and they happened to be the McNally family and said, I have a you know, a a young woman over here that I think is terrific. She wants to explore business and I'm recommending her. So I actually interviewed with two of the McNally families and anybody who remembers that um, company was about McNally. They did all the maps in the country. They actually did all the routing and transit numbers that most people don't know about. At that point, tickets were, you know, for airlines, for cash, they did those, right? Mm -hmm. Very interesting um, company, but I worked for them for, you know, a considerable period of time. And you know, probably four years. And then I went to business school. After business school, I joined Quaker Oats. Uh, CPG company was there for a considerable amount of time. I left as a GM and then went on to uh, telecom at both Arbox, Ameritech and SBC before uh, at and acquired SBC. Mm-hmm. I did a startup for Kleiner Perkins, went back into tech. So I have been in business for a considerable amount of time, always on the marketing or operational side, um, and I've loved, you know, sort of every minute of it. However, the one thing that was, you know, missing for me in many jobs that I had was something to fill my soul, right? Mm. And I actually actually view it as sort of, you know, um, purpose as being soul food for your soul. And um, what I learned was I really needed to be working on something that I found to be highly inspirational and highly motivational. And usually that was cause-based. And Mm. so what I began to do is marry my sort of business professional life with things that were cause-based, and what I found was, when I was in categories, and a lot of retailers out there represent a lot of consumer goods brands. At that point, most of them did not look at purpose-driven branding of any sort, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you're selling cereal, maybe you're talking about the, the the taste. If you're selling, you know, dog food, you might be, you know, differentiating on um, yeah psychographics. If you're selling Gatorade, then you're talking about something that's unbelievable to quench your uh, thirst and do it Mm -hmm. sort of authentically. That's probably the closest to the real thing that's out there. But I found it to be very unfulfilling that I always needed to have something else in combination with that motivated me, that inspired me as I did my job. Mm-hmm. And so as I advanced through my career, you know, one of the things that I was looking for was how do I use my own superpower, mm-hmm. which was um, uh, marketing and branding and communications and then digital marketing to really make the world a better place in some way. So I very quickly began to package things up for myself from a business standpoint that allowed me to do that. So that really kind of describes my journey and how I came to run a purpose-driven communications agency. Now, interestingly enough, it is to me um, groundwork or um, the foundation for building any business, and any brand, because from a public expectation standpoint, it is what they require And in some cases, demand.
0: Mm
1: I hope that helps (laughs) explain why I got here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, you you touched upon that missing thing to fill your soul, and um, you know, purpose being the soul food for your soul, which is a great. Quote. Um, I absolutely love that, and you know, when you're just getting started in school, and I, I can even see from then, you know, how that interest in philosophy kind of, uh, you know, merges with with purpose and business. Oh, yeah, so yeah. it mm-hmm. definitely sounds like it's something that's you know been on your heart uh, for yeah. such a long time. So that's fantastic, and you know, I wanted to kind of kick off the conversation by getting your take on culture and how you see culture impacting
1: purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you can be a purpose driven company without having a culture that embraces it. And I, 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 it's so critical to anyone who is building a, a purpose driven company or who is on the journey to become a purpose-driven company. Mm-hmm. I wrote the book Adapt so that um, people could understand sort of the how to do this. And it's based on an acronym, actually. Um, the A is for assessment, and uh, we go through an assessment stage when it comes to purpose. It really is about self-reflection and then also reflecting about around the world, about the world around you, right? Mm-hmm. So self-reflection is: what kind of company am I? What do I do best at? What do my employees um, want to engage in? And you know, what are their values? How do they think? How do I motivate them? How do I fill their souls? Right? Mm-hmm. And I want to look externally and and uh, externally and say, okay, what's going on culturally? Not. Internal, but externally, what's going on culturally? What's motivating the public? What's motivating generations, races, um, political groups? What literally is motivating them? And what do they want to act around? And that's very, very important. And for you to understand that and to marry that with your internal uh, desires is critical. For you, building a foundation of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you two, just as I said, what my superpower is. You just say, what is your superpower as a company, mm-hmm. and then how do you advance that in some way for the world from a people or a planet standpoint? And there are many things for you to select from as you um, look at that to be a purpose-driven company. You know, I use this as an example: is that um, you know, BlackRock is an incredibly large company. And of course, they have trillions of dollars of assets under management. Their mm-hmm. power is finance. What their purpose is, is to improve the financial well-being of others. And they do that, you know, ongoing, but they also serve in an advocacy role and almost an activist role by, um, you know, working with boards helping them understand what they need to do from a purpose standpoint, be it planet or people, and how that can affect their long-term financial performance. Now, they do that in terms of voting, but nonetheless, they do that. You've got some very strong players like Unilever. Many of um, you who are a retailer will clearly know who they are. Mm -hmm. They want to make sustainability commonplace. That's really important for them, and that's a big request. They've had terrific financial performance over the ten-year uh, time frame that they started. That yeah, and, sh- and recently they've hit a few bumps, right? But they're still doing you know quite well. They're outperforming the market, and people forget that. Um, so, purpose really is a long-term game; it's not a short-term game. And unless you play it well, you will create risk within your portfolio that may create economic disruption. And that's really the value of it.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, you know, you did touch upon uh, sustainability. Would you say that is one of the, you know, leading causes right now? And if not, what would you say are some of the leading purpose-driven causes right now?
1: So we've done a fair amount of research on this and we've researched and looked at, you know, what do people care deeply about? Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, what you want to lean into is what people care deeply about, but you also want to do it authentically, right? And um, and it doesn't matter. It could be by generation. It could be by gender. It can be by politics. It can be by race and ethnicity, Right. But Mm -hmm. we know when you cut across all of those things that people care deeply about are are things like social justice, taking care of the planet, philanthropy. They care deeply about giving back, right? And what we've learned is they care about those things more than things like professional sports, fashion, Mm -hmm. tech, video games, right? All of that has changed. Um, We've kind of reached reached the tipping point. And what that implies is, is that when you do business, you have to do business in a way that aligns with the values of the people you are selling to. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you do not, there could be great repercussions, boycotts, walkouts, um, Mm -hmm. et cetera, right? And so many companies, figure out, you know, how do I connect in some way, but also, you know, what's my, what are, what's going to be my performance metrics as it relates to purpose. So many Mm -hmm. of you out there who are uh, standing up ESG reports need to think about it. ESG ESG just really quickly is environmental, social and governance reports. You need to think about those reports as extension of your purpose and as the measurement tool for your purpose. So as you select your framework, this is really important, and you decide on your KPIs, whether framework you select, whether KPIs are appropriate for your industry, because they do differ by industry. Look at what your your clients care about. Look at what your employees care about. And if if your KPIs don't adequately represent that, add some. If your KPIs do not adequately represent what your clients, employees, other stakeholders care about, add to um, the KPIs under each of those areas, um, environment, social, and governance. There's enough room there and you can use it to keep you honest.
0: Hello, Rethink Retail listeners. Get ready to mark your calendars because Future Stores is officially back in person in the beautiful city of Seattle, Washington. Returning to the Grand Sheraton Seattle from July 13th through 15th, Future Stores is the leading conference for senior retail executives in operations, design, digital, and technology. At Future Stores Seattle, you'll learn how leading retailers are integrating a hybrid approach into their in store experience by balancing high tech with high touch. You'll walk away with actionable strategies for using store technology effectively, as well as educating your frontline associates and creating the next generation of store experience. Rethink Retail will be providing live coverage at the event and interviewing retail leaders at our media booth. I'll also be there moderating a live panel on how retailers can become the hybrid retail destination for today's connected consumer. Be sure to check out the link in the description of this podcast to learn more about the event and how you can sign up. We hope to see you there. Absolutely, and. So you mentioned um, you know KPIs and how to you know really look at what your clients care about. You also touched on authenticity. You know, so my question to you is how can retailers really like hone in on that and get it right? Because there's been a lot, you know, a lot of pushback, you know, you'll kind of see marketing come out after the, there's been, you know, a big event or, you know, an injustice. And it kind of, it kind of reads as more as that they are kind of, you know, branding that grief and pain. And, you know, on the sustainability side, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of pushback that some of it's greenwashing or just kind of coming across as corporate activism. Um, So, so what are your tips on that? You know, how to, to really be authentic in both language and in, you know, true demonstration?
1: The first thing I would say is authentically define your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So what that really means to me is you want to define your purpose. And yes, it's a statement, but um, purpose isn't fulfilled unless you actually um, activate it within your company. Mm -hmm. You need to think about um, how do I align with my uh, stakeholders? How do I measure it? How do I operationalize it? How do I embed it into my strategies? And then how do I set metrics and milestones around it? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is how you authentically do it. And, you know, many of us will encounter challenges in the marketplace. You know, um, George Floyd was one of those moments. Um, mm-hmm. uh, every time we have a natural disaster, maybe another I mean, gosh knows it's even hot outside. It's a reminder how important the, the um, caring for the, the planet is. But what you need to do more than anything else is understand what are you going to measure? You know, what are you going to actually do? <laughs> and um, stick to it. And, and it's that stick to itness uh, that makes the difference and that makes it, you know, authentic. So whatever you do, Stay true to that purpose and make sure you align with your values. Every now and then values need to be adjusted. Certainly I watched many companies during the aftermath of George Floyd add D&I or add empathy to their value statements to make it explicit as opposed to implicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I laud them for that. But my advice more than anything else is have a bias toward action not just transaction, right?
0: No, definitely great tips, um, a bias towards action and, you know, really just sticking to it and staying true to your purpose because, you know, we'll see some companies will put up a social media post one day and then, you know, and along with kind of the culture of collective uh, forgetfulness, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, week later, we'll do something that totally counteracts, um, you know, that post they made uh, in support of, you know, X. So um, definitely great tips. And I did want to get your take, you know, on uh, younger consumers, um, mm-hmm. because we do know, you know, younger consumers are kind of plugged in and engaged with social issues and uh, environmental issues. And I, I would say, more so than, than any other generation. And so I wanted to get your take on how younger consumers are impacting purpose and then also on your take on the role of social media and um, you know, how that is driving shifts in culture.
1: So the one thing that I think everybody has to keep in mind is there has really been a shift in the marketplace and the shifts in the marketplace is toward the consumer. Uh, and and where the consumer has control. Um, we no longer as business leaders have the control that we once have, have had. Mm-hmm. There is a hard shift toward the consumer. And what has given them um, that control and that voice is that device that um, Steve Jobs uh, innovated uh, mm-hmm. with um, that, I, that iPhone that mobile phone, that smartphone, has put everything in their hands. So they've become their own microphones around what they see, what they need, what they want sort of censored, what they want to speak out against. Um, It's also given them a platform to get instant news uh, and for them to also do the appropriate checks and balance. Okay, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were going to, um, you know, represent and support um, LGBTQ plus sort of pride month, who do you donate to? Are you donating to politicians that don't support those issues?
0: Mm.
1: They now have the ability to check and check pretty quickly, right? So, and they are looking for conflict in the marketplace. And if if 90% of them don't see it, the 1% that, or the one that does, it can be retweeted and shared and, um, and build where it's something that um, can be used against you because you haven't been totally integrated in your approach as it relates to purpose. So it goes back to what we said earlier operationalize it, okay? Align it with the stakeholders, build it into your strategy, and then make sure it's integrated right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I would say to the retailers and your listeners is that you've got the ability to brand it and you should brand it. If you really are doing it correctly and it really is authentic, start to lean and take some real credit for that. So you're Mm -hmm. actually known for what that area of um, goodness is that you're creating. It will only bring you uh, additional sales and additional credibility and additional understanding.
0: Absolutely. Great advice. And, you know, young people are definitely uh, using social media to amplify their voices, to hold business leaders and politicians, um, you know, more accountable, which I think is good. I think it's helping, you know, drive progress forward a bit um, quicker than, you know, before. So I think that's great.
1: Yeah. The one other thing I want to add, Gabriella, is that you asked about um, sort of sustainability and is it leading, et cetera. And the answer to mm-hmm. that is yeah. I mean, sustainability is you know left the gate, and if any retailer isn't heavily engaged in that area, then um, uh, they're likely at risk. I mm-hmm. do want to make that really clear. US is behind. Uh, Europe. Europe is moving to other industrialized nations are moving to regulation, heavy regulation with regard to this. Mm -hmm. Anticipate that the U.S. will follow um, at some point. It is increasingly scrutinizing what people are saying versus what they are doing. Um, The SEC Mm -hmm. is now involved in looking at people who say that we do impact investing and we're, you know, a, a ESG investment company or sustainable investment company. Um, they're now sort of pulling that apart, getting in the lens and saying, oh, let's talk about what the requirements are going to be here. What's the standards for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this area will be regulated. You can expect it to be regulated. So it's to their advantage to get ahead of that. Do not let it happen to you. Get ahead of it you know, move in front of it, understand what the KPIs are for environment within the retail industry, and really start to act on those. I just can't emphasize how important that actually is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know during COVID, there was some concern that, you know, consumer interest in sustainability would wane a bit. And from everything that I've read was that it either remained or kind of where it was, or it actually increased, yeah. um, which was definitely, is definitely very encouraging
1: yeah, I to think, know. Yeah. I think the reason um, Gabrielle, I think the reason that it increased was because people saw the connection between COVID and the environment mm-hmm. um, because we had encroached on wild habitats we had animals coming out and entering and transmitting diseases to humans that we weren't exposed to before. Mm-hmm. That was a big lightning or aha. And it's something that they probably very heavily um, discussed at um, you know, Davos, um, uh, they, something they heavily discussed at Davos.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There was for the first time, there was a recognition, uh, not really the first time, but you know, an important moment There was a recognition that COVID was really attached to us protecting our environment and how important it was for us to care for our planet in the right way Uh, because if we don't as humans we're going to be exposed to a lot more things and so it was just one more piece of evidence that Mm -hmm. said this is absolutely the right thing for us as a country as a city, you know, as a nation, as a globe for us to be focused on. And what we saw was the um, uh, almost, I want to call it a a relaunch of interest, right? you the the Paris climate um, uh, peace talks, but then you had COP26 you know, 26, um, that happened. Um, and and with everybody, all the world leaning in saying, oh, how do we get to net carbon zero, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is something that is not going to go away. Um, and it's just going to grow. During COVID, many people said, oh, purpose a this purpose of fad. this is going to go away. Nope, just leaned in and it just grew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's That's
0: really keen insight, um, you know, on the link between kind of how sustainability and the environment was, you know, connected and is connected to COVID. I also wanted to know, you know, with the kind of uncertainty of the economy right now and and that looming overhead, you know, what, what impact will this cause? You know, will we see, do you think we'll see causes like sustainability, um, you know, fall to the wayside a bit for other, other causes to come through, like income inequality? Is this something you've seen before with, you know, the, the 2008 crisis? I know sustainability wasn't as much of a, a consumer concern at the time, but I did just want to get your take on that.
1: Um, just as we see a shift toward um, the consumer we also see uh, almost an understanding and an acceptance that we are living in a world of uncertainties. and the one thing that we can expect is the unexpected. Mm-hmm. I really want to communicate that and make mm-hmm. sure everybody understands that. And as and as we look at that, what we really begin to understand is that you know, culture is going to shift, they're going to be different things that are important at different moments. So there is no question that income inequality is a big issue, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly during that last, you talked about sort of the uh, Great Recession is the one you're referring to, 2000, mm-hmm. to, to um, uh, you know, 2012. What we saw was we saw a, um, uh, a, a crisis Uh, You know, from a housing standpoint, from a foreclosure standpoint, people lost their jobs. High unemployment. Um, All of those things were magnified during that time. They're being magnified now, and George Mm -hmm. Floyd magnified that. But things like the environment, things like um, social justice, where income inequality uh, falls, all of those things are going to be the issues that. We focus on uh, as we move toward the future. And my advice for your retailers listening is Mm -hmm. that they think about disclosure and transparency. We're living in an age where people want transparency and want disclosure, even if your numbers aren't good. The fact that you are disclosing it, the fact that you are looking at it, the fact that you have goals,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. people understand you're better for trying. OK, they may not be happy with where you are, but if you say to them, look, this is where I am. I'm being honest about it. Here are the changes that I honestly need to make. And here are my goals in terms of getting there. Mm-hmm. Respect that. And you'll get more credit for doing that than hiding those bad numbers that you have <laughs> See, and not mm-hmm. publicly disclosing. This is what we're doing. And, and um, this is what we're committed to. Uh, because someone along the line will find out or activate or do something to create um, a problem for you. And that's why you see companies like I think Microsoft is doing this. And I read about one other company who was doing this where um, they had some uh, harassment uh, issues and in their company, and they hired a third party to go and look at the history of what's happened within their company, everything, Mm-hmm. and put public disclosure on it okay wow. uh, think about that think about what might be there because they're a huge company um and the commitment that it takes to be um honest mm-hmm. and transparent, and authentic and there are benefits toward that uh you get a lot of positive kudos from it
0: hmm Yeah, I mean, even absolutely, it just it makes so much sense, right? Because even within your personal relationships, you just want people to be honest with you. And when they are, you don't really fault them for it. Right. And I think it's the same with with, you know, business and business leadership as well. Um, So those are really, uh, I think, brilliant insights. And I was wondering if you could share some other examples of, you know, retailers of of brands that you think are really getting it right when it comes to leading with purpose.
1: Oh, I think uh, one brand that's a shining example is Patagonia. Mm. They really do, um, you know, have it right. They're there and they're active about protecting the planet. they are no You know, no holes barred, right? Mm -hmm. Like during Black Friday, they had an ad that said, don't buy this jacket, right?
0: Mm -hmm. I remember that.
1: The best sustainability plan is, you know, not to purchase. (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) free right? Um, They have an activist culture. Uh, If someone does something around the environment, they actually, you know, activate where they, you know, brought legal suits, you know, to the government. So they, they actually live it culturally end to end um, in terms of, um, you know, what they do. So for us, they are an amazing example of what, um, you know, one uh, can do and should do. And their doctor of philosophy that works there believes and says, you cannot differentiate your company without purpose. OK, they, they really do understand it and understand that, that there's commercial value to it as long as you do it authentically. And, and that's what I really also want to communicate is that, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you know, will this be misinterpreted as being commercial? Yes. If you were just transactional, mm-hmm. that means you're not living it. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you really do create an operational plan around it, people will and uh, will embrace it. Will absolutely embrace it. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, just purpose really needs to be woven throughout uh, the fabric of the company, um, is what I kind of gathered from that. And I think Patagonia is an, an excellent example of a brand uh, that does that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as well, you know, Libra is a great example um, as well, making sustainability commonplace. Mm-hmm right down to embedding purpose into the way each brand is positioned, right? Um, You know, they had one, I I think it's Dial Soap, where um, I'm trying to remember this exact example was Dial Soap, where they brought into a country and said, look, you really need to wash your hands for hygiene purpose before you um, touch, you know, things. But Mm -hmm. in terms of the amount of, of disease it cut down on and the health uh, that was improved as a result of it was incredible, but a very simple initiative that was you know purpose based that you know allowed them to use their superpower you know clothes, you know cleaning and and um, uh, making sure your hands are virus free
0: mm-hmm. to take
1: that and to use that in marketing is you know beautiful. You know other campaigns that they have as well. I think uh, I think Dove Bar may be theirs, where they help women accept their raw beauty, which is very powerful. Or with mm-hmm. hair products, where they help um, people accept the diversity of hair. That hey, this is a good thing. They they lean into stopping microaggressions. Um, all of those things are very positive. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, um, those are great examples, and I hadn't heard about Unilever uh, with the Dial soap going in and you know educating people on on Operation. how to in yeah third,
1: third world countries you know hey washing your hands and that's pretty basic that's that's the one lesson we all leaned into uh, during mm-hmm. COVID is wash your hands several times a day don't touch anything stay mm-hmm. away from your mouth and nose you know <laughs> same thing
0: yeah that's yeah that's brilliant and then. We're coming up on time here. So if any retailers or brands wanted to figure out what their superpower is and how to best communicate that, how would would they get in
1: contact with you? We have a website called PurposeBrand.com, P-U-R-P-O-S-E-B-R-A-N-D.com. And if you go to that uh, website, you'll see a little bit about what we do because we do, you know, we are a public relations agency and a social media agency, and we do websites and the whole thing as well. If you go to the contact us section or info at purposebrand.com, we we can figure out a way to work together. So we would just, just love that, right? A couple of other just, you know, brands that they should take a look at um, themselves would be, I would look at Kroger. And, um, uh, in the marketplace, I do, think they, they do a fabulous job on purpose. So please, um, examine those for other retailers that are um, out there. And there are a few more that are also really great.
0: Okay. That is purposebrand.com. I would implore uh, everyone listening to check out the site and Diane, I really appreciate your time today and I hope we can uh, chat again in the future.
1: Oh, absolutely. I would love it. And I just want to close with one thing uh, for everybody to remember. Kroger's purpose is to feed the human spirit. And I really do think that um, fundamentally, that's what we're all in the business to do because it will make your business more resilient and it will make you more profitable, which is more important, (laughs) which is as important, not more important, as important. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Feed the human spirit. I love that. And I think it ties in fantastically with your own quote that you shared with us uh, earlier today about purpose being the soul food for your soul. So I think that's a great note to end on. And Diane, I, I really appreciate your
1: time today. Oh, thank you so much.